Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pick myself up. Turn the world on its head. Don't forget what, don't forget what my mama said People talking, since the beginning of time Let's say paying your bills, pay them bitches no mind And if I fly, or if I fall Least I can say, I gave it all And if I fly, or if I fall I'm on my way, I'm on my way Hello again to episode 118, 19, something, thereabouts, maybe, I don't know, whatever, sure. it's the Feminine Critique, I'm Emily. I- I'm Christine, and I don't ever know what episode it is. <laughs> there, it, like, it, I mean, numbers are so, what's a number, you know? Why, let's, let's get out of this button down it's very like heteronormative and let's, patriarchal to to live your life by numbers so we're just yeah, not gonna let's do just that anymore. let's just go with it yeah Who anarchy cares? for all uh on this episode <laughs> we have a so basically we're we just kind of fell behind on figuring out oh yeah we have movies to do um but since we have an episode planned in another two weeks on something exciting we figured we're just going to do another catch-up of what we've been watching, since it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. So it'll mm-hmm. be a general kind of mixed grab bag of stuff, and then we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to go deep into this season of RuPaul's Drag Race, which ended, what, about a month ago? Uh, well, has it been that long? Like know. two or three weeks? I, uh. I, yeah, time, again, time is linear and we're trying to break that barrier so it feels like it was forever ago now but this season was a uh i think divisive season in some ways i would say that's probably accurate yeah there's there's a lot to say about it (laughs) christine and i are both i i think you could call us super fans of drag race we don't yes. talk about it on here often just because we're usually dealing with movies. So we figured, eh, let's uh, let's dig a little deep into this season and complain about things. That's my plan anyway. I don't know about you. I, I think about it constantly. So it's a wonder I don't talk about it more. So we're going we're gonna to solve that problem by doing some talking about it. But before that, uh, it's been a few weeks. My lady, what have you been watching? Well, um, I have been watching a decent amount, but I... Uh, so- some of it i don't know i guess we can talk about some of it we're all friends here we don't judge (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Um, so these are in a weird order too, which is strange. My my app I use has been glitchy and weird, but um, this feels like it came out a hundred years ago. But I went to see the Hustle in the theater. I can't believe that actually came out because I feel like I saw the trailer for it at every movie I saw and then didn't know when it actually came out and all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, it it what I saw people didn't like it. It's the uh Anne Hathaway um Rebel Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, movie. Um if people don't know, um people didn't seem to like it. I agree that there was the story was a bit lacking like the plot was a little but like it was funny and everybody was good Mm -hmm. so so to like boil it down to the performances which is something i've seen is silly because they were both really funny they're both Uh, great when they get to when they get the right material and and Anne hathaway was good yeah i thought she 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 is an underrated comic genius in some ways she was she did she was shitty and like like scoundrelly yeah and like and that works for her like she can really she can do that channel well. and yeah, i think it was written by jack schaefer wasn't it who did timer oh maybe we I, again a million years ago somehow <laughs> um <laughs> i remember looking it up and going like oh but i don't remember why yeah it's it's been kind of a crappy month for releasing movies at the wrong time because uh, another movie that I didn't see, but I think you did, that was also written and directed by women and starring women uh, that dropped in like a really bad weekend. And The Hustle was heavily promoted, but then came out in May in a really crowded week and people are still seeing mm-hmm. Avengers. And it seemed, again, like these are movies that need to come out in August or January. And when people have a reason to go to a movie and make their decision there type thing, because it's hard to convince somebody to buy a ticket for something like that when they still think they need to see Avengers again. Well, yeah. I mean, the the thing that dethroned Avengers was John Wick three. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, and that was well after it had come out. Yes. It was, um, this was probably, I wonder, I'm just making this up, but I wonder if this has been like the longest, a movie holding number one spot in a really long time. Cause movies don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like two or three weeks and then yeah. something else shows up. Um, but I I will say I don't know if there was a good time to release this mm. because it really seemed like the general attitude was uh, we as an audience for some don't reason want don't want this. Yeah, that's a shame. Which is whatever. But if it comes, if it ends up streaming, there are some good jokes in it and some good setups. And yeah, I, I want to see it. I just didn't want yeah. to leave my house and go see it. I enjoyed it. It didn't reinvent the wheel, but what, like, how many movies do you see do? It just, sure. we, I feel like we hold things to different standards. Yes. Like, it was, it was good and fine and fun. Like, <laughs> but it's I don't usually know what, what people, you want in a comedy. I don't know what people want from, uh, mm. whatever. Um, so next weekend, one of my most anticipated movies is coming out. I don't know which what is, movie it is. Which is the new Men in Black movie. Oh, I'm excited for that cast. I'm so fucking jazzed for it. So we rewatched all the Men in Blacks, and I am a Men in Black 3 defender. Wow. People, people are like, whatever. But I'm, no, I'm here for Men in Black 3. So I decided I'm going to watch, we're going to rewatch all of them. The first Men in Black is a masterpiece. It's fantastic. It's yeah. it's still so good. So it very is. good. 
I think the second one is awful, but Zach seems to find reasons to defend it, which is fine. Um, but I still enjoy watching it. And then the third one is just so fun and so good. Yeah. So this new one, I every time the trailer comes on in a, before a movie, I get legitimately excited. <laughs> I have now I have now seen both versions of that trailer. I don't know a dozen times each, and every time I get excited. Oh yay! I, don't I can't. Think I ever saw two or three. I saw parts of two, but two is rough. It's not loved. I know that much. I don't like a lot of it, but like I still, it's still, it's not like it's unwatchable or like gross. It's just the weakest for me of three right movies. But like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I love that Chris Hemsworth is now just a comedic actor and. Like, he knows that, and audiences know that, and we just do that. That's great. He's good at it. Yeah, I I like, I'm excited to see him. I really, really love Tessa Thompson. Oh, me I mean, too. the world, the world loves her. Yep. So, I don't know. And the trailer is charming and funny. Like, mm-hmm. I still, I chuckle at the jokes I've seen a bunch of times <laughs> over and Aww. over again. I don't know. I'm it's into so it. Cute. I can't wait. Um, so, we, we got back on our Denzel Washington shit. And we watched Crimson Tide, which I'd never seen. I've never seen that one. It's interesting, mm-hmm. but I don't know how a movie can simultaneously be interesting yet boring. <laughs> like, there were there were parts of it where I was like, "Is this movie over?" But then something will happen, most likely Denzel coming on screen, and I'll just be like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen. Never end. This movie should never end." But. It's it's what you expect about a submarine movie. Is there like is there any kind of claustrophobia of the submarine getting opened and everybody dying? Anything like that? Yeah, there's a, a terrible okay. scene that freaks exactly me out. like that with one of the most my most beloved actors ever um, oh. meeting a terrible death. Oh. It's a real it's a real who's who this movie. Oh. Um, it's like every time they like cut to somebody, you're like, oh fuck, it's that guy, right? That's, that's, it was handy for different like movie connection games. Yeah, there are people in this this movie. I was like, I, they were acting in the nineties. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know. Um, it was whatever. I think it was streaming somewhere. I would don't know if I'd ever watch it again. But since I've watched it, I thought of it. Okay, I've gone like, mm, mm, like in Crimson Tide. Um, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but I wanted to see it. Heard it was good. Took me this long. Have you seen Maleficent? I still have not. I have not seen that, nor have I seen um, Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever that movie was. Well, I will I will tell you that I love Snow White and the Huntsman, but these movies are in completely different leagues. Okay. I just always group them together because they were both, yeah. like, spins on fairy tales with really, with very specific actresses playing the villains. Well, come to find out, I think this is my favorite genre because I, I also lo- love Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? <laughs> Yeah. Yes, because it's fantastic. <laughs> I love that movie. But like, I so I like the, these weird retellings. Sure. But Maleficent is a legitimately amazing movie. Well, here's what's interesting when you say that because you're not a big fairy tale person or not a big fantasy person. I think it has to be very specific for it hmm. to work for me. Um, but you're right. You're yeah. right. That's a fair assessment. And I. I so I think I said to you we put Into the Woods on for like five minutes and I had to you shut just it off. Like, it. I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yes, I and understand. like I, 
Beauty and the Beast, we we watched for 15 minutes, shut it off, couldn't do it. Okay. The, the Emma Watson one. Cinderella, I was like, should I watch Cinderella? No, I'm not going to watch Cinderella. Do, have you but, seen Ever After? Yes. Okay. And I do. I think it's cute and I, oh, and I like just it. Just making it's, sure it's, that I could still talk to you. That's all. No, no, it's good. It's cute and charming and, and better than people expect it to be, mm-hmm. I think. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I do like that shit because I like Labyrinth. Yeah, which is very fantasy. But this... And fairytale fantasy. And I'm not the only one. I tweeted about this and people were like, yes, it destroyed me. I cried. It's the most amazing movie. This is the most amazing movie. Interesting. I just I... never thought to watch it. I didn't think what? it was aimed at me. I just didn't didn't give it another thought when it came no, out. No, it's feminist propaganda. Oh. Intrig- intriguing. It's so good. And aren't they I, doing a sequel now to it? Yes. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be as good. How can you be so transcendently good? You will watch this movie and you will go, I wonder if they're going to. They won't. And then they do. And you're like, holy shit. This I movie was this, this movie was made for me. I feel like it was made for me. And okay. I love it. You must watch it. I will watch it. Um, rewatched John Wick 2 in preparation for John Wick 3. Mm. John Wick 3 was very good. That is my review. Okay. I still no haven't seen any of them. I have to say about it. I Consensus world... seems to be that people liked three. It's, it's I know it, I mean it's doing great at the box office, but it seems like everybody is happy with it. Yeah, three was really good. good. You I mean, if you ever get around to it, I think you would like that. I know. I didn't watch the first one because of, you know, the whole idea of a movie being about a dog dying. I was like, Well, I'm not gonna see that shit and then everybody's tried to convince me that, well no, that's part of it, but then there's another puppy at the end and it's all good. But I just yeah. still have to kind of really, really I get what you're saying. Like rev myself up to go into a movie knowing an adorable puppy is going to die i look i'm gonna tell you i'm pretty you could even just skip the first one if you wanted to for now that's good advice i might i don't think i don't think you would miss anything i mean you you would obviously because you'd miss the whole first movie but like i it's is there a cut not- without the dog dying like the way the can there's the cannibal holocaust without them eating you know raw uh turtle is there a version where like no no animals are armed i mean that would be genius if you were to watch it with somebody that could tell you to stop watching and then they okay. would go forward you wouldn't you wouldn't lose anything loves me enough to do that okay <laughs> but i get it like i i get why watch something that you you are pretty sure is going to upset you like we're too old for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you want to know what movie takes place in Seattle slash Washington State? I do. Um, it's a movie called Fear, starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it is. <laughs> hey, I was 15 in 1997. I know Fear. Uh, of course you do. I hate this movie, but... I like I watch it. It's kind of like Swim Fan. Like I'll watch mm. it and be like, "This is going to be a good movie, everybody." And then I'll get through it and I'll be like, "Wait, that wasn't good. Why do I keep watching this?" <laughs> but we Zach had wanted to see it. Oh, he so he'd never seen it, but you had because you were a female in the nineties, female teenager Ex- in the nineties. Exactly, and I and it, it lives in in a bit of infamy. Oh, yeah. like people know that trailer if they were of a certain age, you know. Um, and him hitting himself is yep. like a, a and the, thing. Let me open the door. That scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it's like, oh, it takes place in Washington. All right. Well, if it gives me some interesting '90s like street views or whatever, that's cool. I'm into that. So we watched it. I actually liked it a little bit more than I remember. It. It's if, not great. Yeah. But... Well, if memory serves, now it's been. 
I mean, it's probably been 20 years since I've watched it in its entirety. I think I only ever watched it once. And it was, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I think it was one of those movies that everybody brought over to sleepover parties and you had to Mm -hmm. see it with your female friends. And I think, I always think of that movie too in this very specific place with um, the TV movie No One Would Tell starring Candace Bergman, uh, not (laughs) Candace Bergman, although that would be an interesting redo of it, (laughs) Candace Cameron Uh, and Fred Savage. Because the same year these things all happened... Uh, there was a writer who came to our school and she had written this nonfiction book that was a collection of essays about basically about abusive relationships. And I, to me, there is this horrible thing, and I don't know if it's still true, but in the 90s, women, young women, young teenage girls were obsessed with abusive relationships. It As much as like this whole wacky, like the very weird politics you get to when you talk about rape fantasies and all that. There was this period of time when movies, and you do it now when you look at Lifetime movies, but it was really, really heavy then, of deep down, every 15-year-old girl wants a guy to be so obsessed with her that he's going to kill other people to get to her. And that's what I think of, I always think of fear in that same kind of genre that was really connecting to young women, but was also kind of really toxic to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there's things in that movie that in hindsight are really problematic. Like the whole, the fact that it's basically told from the point of view of her dad, right? That her, her father, the level of her father's involvement is a little much. Yeah. On one hand, it's interesting because there is something to that, to this weird jealousy that fathers have when their teenage daughters start. But like the other hand, it's not explored like that at all. It really does seem like it's the, 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 actions of a man are then the issues of a man right i mean but and that's kind of my remember my remembering of things that's kind of like my memory of it but reese witherspoon's character is uh, like alarmed when she should be Mm, and forgiving when it's convenient which isn't out of character for someone that would have been certainly not yeah so like i wasn't completely like not sold on that like, but judging Amy is the mom in it, mm-hmm. and uh, and she maybe she could have been a little bit more assertive. Mm. Yeah, it's an it's an odd movie. I think they're remaking it. I think they just announced it. Holy moly! Well, it's the kind of thing where you think like, why remake it when when there's like ninety Lifetime movies made every year that tell the same story? But I don't know who's attached to it. If you could do that movie, if it was put in the hands of a woman. <laughs> I think it would already be more interesting. It would definitely be a different movie. Yeah. I think it is a very male gaze movie about something. And it's effective. And again, there's a reason people, especially our generation, like remember that movie as a touchstone. But I, yeah, I get weirded out by it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's an interesting one. They kill the dog in that. Yeah, too, I know. So. Oh, and like in a really bad way too. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Um, weird movie. Um, Zach had never seen The Last Exorcism, and it's a movie that I talk about a lot. Okay, so how did... I think I told you I showed it to Brandon recently and got the reaction I expected, and then he was kind of angry at me because he knew it would be that reaction. Which I, is, it's so good until the last two minutes. I th- I don't think... I don't think there was ever enough buy-in to be upset by the ending. Oh, like, that's a shame. I, but, like... And I had also said the ending is weird. Right. 
like I think we watched it just to get to the end in a in a way. Mm, like it's it's some mean. it's some interesting stuff. But I think he was a little bit more engaged than than uh, we expected because it is like you know predicated on it's this, pretty trite this, territory. This We've seen it a thousand times, yeah. but I think it's done with a good spin. It's dumb. I think that's it. It's the spin. Like it's it's the we're following around this dude who doesn't actually believe what he's doing, yeah. and that's interesting. Um, and that guy's great. That that actor yeah. is really good. I agree. I like I like that movie. I think it's interesting. And yeah, Caleb, Caleb Landry Jones is in oh, it. So and good and creepy. He's just the best ever, and it, it does some effective things. Also does some like shit you've seen a million times yeah. before Did you see the and sequel? now. No. It's, I mean, it's it's not good, but it had a good ending. So it's it, kind of the reverse of the first one. So that redeemed it a little bit. Huh. Yeah, maybe eventually. I think we taught, we kicked around the idea of watching it after, and then na- neither one of us were like super jazzed. About you also it. have to get over the fact that you're watching a movie called The Last Exorcism Two, which is yeah. really problematic in its own right. Another Last Exorcism. Um, always trying to to round out watching every will smith movie so we watched focus which is a movie that came out to to no acclaim yeah okay (laughs) um it was it's really bad (laughs) i remember it coming out but i know nothing about it which it paint i didn't know anything about it either so i was like we should watch that one with margot robbie in it because i remember it advertising and i remember seeing them together but i didn't actually know what it was about it's actually about like gambling and like doing um what are, like cons and stuff on okay. people, which I was like, oh, that could be interesting. Could be fun, yeah. Guess what? It's not. It's not. Nah. Well, which is a shame because obviously yeah, I enjoy. They're two it really too. appealing people. Um, watch Enemy of the State after that, which is oh, um, that's Will Smith. Uh, that's like this, isn't it? Like the unofficial sequel to um, uh, oh god, the Gene Hackman movie. Yeah, the conversation. That's it. Thank it you. Fucking is and. That's the only thing this movie has going for it. Every time there were shades of that of the conversation, and I lost my fucking mind. I was like, "Oh my god, it's just like <laughs> go there, the go there." <laughs> but it, that I mean, it's 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 of a time. It mm-hmm. looks like the movie of a time. And that was ninety six, right? No, 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 ninety eight. Definitely had nineties tech vibes to I it. I feel like that was one of the movies on loop when I worked in a movie theater as far as the trailer. So I think I've seen that trailer a lot. Yeah, I I was very I was very aware of it except I had never seen it. Like I knew who was in it and what it was about right, and what right. it was supposed to be about and like the twists, but I never sat down and watched it. It was it, it was it just made me want to watch the conversation. Mm, which is never <laughs> a bad thing to do. No. Um have you ever seen Throw Mama from the Train? Owen Oh, and the lazy poop. Yes, yeah, I have seen. Of course, you have. I have seen Throw Mama from the Train many a time, to which I probably quote that movie once every other week. I had a feel. It, I mean, either I knew you had, or it's just such an Emily thing to watch. It's that yes. You I don't have a cousin, Patty. Yes, I can. I can't not do that, <laughs> or just go into um, anytime I hear the word moist. I just go into the night was moist. Yes, I love Throw Mama from the Train, although I have not seen it beginning to end in a very long time. Please tell me it held up and that you loved it. Yeah, it was good. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's um, Zach was convinced I would like it because I mean it's like a, it's obviously like a Hitchcock thing and oh totally the, uh, 
The direction is shockingly interesting and good. Is it directed by DeVito? Yeah. Okay. It it's like really interesting, and he's like, no, I think you'll like it. It's it's cool and interesting, and the direction's good, and it's subject matter that you'll be interested in. And it and it was it was funny, and I liked that the end was really like earnest and yeah. sweet. <laughs> Which is it's, really nice. Especially because Danny DeVito directs black comedy. Like, really, all of the films he's directed have been black comedy. And that's such a tricky genre because it can be really yeah. mean. And it can and Throw Mom from the Train has a lot of kind of mean elements to it. Yep. But what his character in that movie, I think, is, is so sweet and you're rooting for him. And yeah, you that movie could have ended meanly very easily. But it, it makes the right decision, I think. Yeah, which I, I appreciated. I, I like suddenly realized what it was doing and what it wasn't doing. And I was like, oh, my, everything's going to be OK at the end of right. this. And I really <laughs> liked that. Um, so a lot of people were talking about it. And I don't know if you saw it, but um, new Netflix movie called The Perfection. I did see it. I'd love to hear what you think of it. Oh, I hated it. Did you? The more I think about it, the more I hate it. <laughs> Interesting. I watched it. I knew. I actually, the only thing I knew, I watched the trailer on mute. Like it kind of showed up. Ooh. You know how you can't not yeah. watch trailers on Netflix yeah. even if you don't want to. And all I saw was like cellos. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what this is. I'm like, yeah, I'll just put it on. And I watched it mostly at the gym. And so I knew nothing about it. And this was really the weekend it came out. So I didn't hear everybody talking about it. And I, I appreciated it. I really liked the fact that it did the thing that you usually really like of what kind of movie is this? I don't know. We're going to keep changing our minds and you're not going to know. And I did like that. Okay. But then you just didn't like the overall kind of where it went. Well, I don't, I think that maybe uh, this is such cliche, like shit thing to say, but maybe, maybe this is such a woman's story. We should have let a woman woman be involved at some point in it. Because I like the idea that extreme violence predicated against women could only be solved by perpetrating more violence against that woman is really troubling to me. Yeah. And it's just, again, it evolved into let's tie a woman up. Let's chain a woman to a chair. Let's make her look really pretty when we do it. It, it's so fetishistic. Yes. It's so fetishistic. And then, I, I guess, spoiler? Yes, yeah, sp- yeah, yeah, we'll spoil it a little bit. I, I'm not going to, like, like overt, like, but, so, so we had just kind of touched on this, ironically. John Wick's dog gets killed. Yes. And he, and he kills everybody. Reasonable. For, in order for... In order for this woman to be justified in her actions, she has to have endured years of abuse, sexual abuse, gang rapes, apparently. Why can't she just, why can't, why do we have to do that? Why is the justification against, uh, for a woman getting agency and doing something is like institutionalized abuse? Why does it have to be that level of abuse? This dude's dog got killed. And we're all like, yeah, John, get him. But like a woman has to be like terrorized for long periods of time. And then it's like, oh, okay, go do something about it. It's just like, come, come the fuck on. How many more women do I need to see getting raped for long periods of time in order to do anything? I said this about Tarantino the other day. Mm. It is 2019. 
if the only way your female character yeah. is allowed to get revenge is if she's raped, right. how about we move on from the fucking 70s a little bit? That's fair. Like, it's been it's been decades. I, I love rape revenge because it's the only time a woman gets to have any fucking agency. But again, we're almost right. to, to the 20s here. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's step it up a little bit. Yeah. No, I'm... That's all. It I, made me mad. I think that's fair. I think... It's funny because I've read a couple of interviews with the cast. I think one with the director. And it seems like it was... I think... Because I think it was... Was it two directors? But they were both men. Maybe it was only one. But it was... Like, yeah, that exact thing of there are men who tell women's stories wonderfully, mm-hmm. but yeah, it kind of seems like this is a story that is very much about women taking power. And yes, the story itself kind of has that very uncomfortableness of, uh, yeah, it had to involve rape. And it did, you're right, it did not have to. And it could have very easily been. It it did not have to be sexual abuse that they suffered, and you could have told, I think, an equally good yeah. story. Um, and yeah, did, did it not bother you that there wasn't more like actual um, proof of female like friendship and a, an alignment? It just didn't feel like that. I know, like it, it was supposed to be like sort of a twist reveal, I, and thing, I think that was the like, problem. I think the movie because there's two very key parts where the movie does like the rewind, fast forward thing. Yeah, and when when it does that, it has skipped over, uh, especially the second time, which is after um, the girl, the former Bratz star, which is what she is to me. She was in the movie Bratz when she comes to Allison Williams, and you don't know what happens, mm-hmm. but then suddenly she shows up with Allison Williams in her trunk, and you you know, we never see that real scene of them talking about it and bonding over it and accepting it and all that because the movie really wanted to do something cool with with surprising you. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't have and to do I that. I think that's this the same thing with the cleaver. It it it, yeah. it wanted to surprise me and shock me, but in, in doing so it was it was again saying that violence is the only way to ex- escape violence, which True. I guess is an interesting interesting like thesis statement but it didn't really do anything to explore that yeah no that's fair yeah but uh, they were both good in it they were great like really good Allison Williams is really like there is a certain type of character that she can play better than almost anyone else and it's the same character in Get Out and not that they're the same character but it is it's this like you have clearly come from privilege like we look at you and we can see that use that lean on that you Mm -hmm. you can do something really great with that yeah and like i'm glad it exists i would rather see like a movie that took a big swing than Mm -hmm. like something super boring oh very much yeah but i don't i just it was there were too many things that made me like angry (laughs) for me to be like yeah it was great and i know a lot of people like it i work with a girl lovely lovely young lady who's like it was so good and i was like yeah, it was a lot of fun because i don't want to be, be, be that like, person actually yeah. it was really troubling for a number <laughs> of reasons let's talk about but, all the um, political issues involved here yeah but like i mean i would never begrudge somebody that enjoyed it i just like think maybe maybe put it in your head could could we do better yeah could we do something different i think maybe. that's a fair way to look at it um yeah so uh then the last Four are all things I saw in the theater. I saw Booksmart. What did you think? I I feel bad that I haven't paid to go see it. 
It was so good. It yeah, was so good. I need to I see know, it. I know you will see it. I, I will. will. I just wish I could have gone to see it and given it my money because it's been a big yeah. conversation around that movie. But at the same time, why release that movie Memorial Day weekend? Uh, we Yeah, we couldn't see it the weekend it came out because we weren't around, sure. which was a shame. But um, yeah, I liked it a lot and I think you will like it. I need to see it now. Um, saw Detective Pikachu. What did you think of Detective Pikachu? It was amazing. Good. It was charming and lovely, and all the Pokemon were amazing, and I loved them so much, and I'm glad I didn't, like, I don't know. <laughs> I got too excited. I kept going, <gasps> every time I saw a different Pokemon. <laughs> Are you a Pokemon fan? I mean, my more like my sister was. I okay. wasn't really the So I was going right to say, I feel like, it ju- like we, you and I were just a little too old yeah. for Pokemon. But you were, you're the youngest, right? I'm the youngest, so there was nobody around me playing Pokemon. Yeah. So I was the eldest of two. So she was like, okay. she watched it. She had all, she had all the cards. Um, later she played all the games. Like I used to play the, like the Pokemon card game. Sure. Like, so yeah. I, I know them all. And I actually like, I remember know now babysitting and realizing like, if you've ever babysat and like the hardest thing when you're babysitting is trying to figure out how to fill time. And mm-hmm. I, the kid I was babysitting was really into Pokemon, and it was the best thing because I didn't even have to play. It was just, oh, what's that one? What does this one do? What does this one do? And that took like three hours for the kid to explain it to yeah. me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So it was fun to see everything. If there were some later, like they did the original group, and then there was a new group. I don't really know any of those. Okay. But like the original group, it was nice to see everybody. It was fun. Good. And Good. Pikachu was adorable and sweet and yeah. wonderful. Um, I feel like that's leaving theaters, so. Yeah, well, I think it did well, but I think, again, it's just a really, it's a crowded box office this year. Yeah. Um, saw Dark Phoenix yesterday. What did you think? It is not getting love. Didn't like it, but mm-hmm. I haven't liked them, so okay. I wasn't surprised. Because you were, like, you were an X-Men fan from the comics and cartoons? Yeah. Okay. And do you feel like there has been a movie that satisfied you, X-Men? Uh, X-Men First Class. Got it. And X2 to some degree. Okay. And Logan. And Logan, yeah. But this one was not one. Dark Phoenix, you had something long to say about it, and, and Skype decided it didn't want to hear it. But I want to hear it, so try again. Well, I mean, I don't know how you can be disappointed by something that you didn't think was going to be good in the first place. Oh, burn! I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't expect it to, I didn't think I was going to like it like I, so I wasn't like yeah this one's going to be the one where they finally get it right Right. <laughs> I, I want Fox to be done like I want it I want this to end well now are, is X-Men go no X-Men is still Fox right it, that didn't switch over no. to or did it, it? it did it did okay yeah yeah um, but who knows like what the timeline is right meanwhile there's still the new mutants movie that they've reshot 12 times now yeah two years past its original release date very weird it's a shame but yeah obviously i didn't think it was gonna be good it wasn't good Mm -hmm. like if you if you if you enjoyed it that's great i'm fine i'm i'm fine with i hope enjoy all things (laughs) that's very nice of you with X-Men and the way that they are in these movies that like if I started to if I let myself go on about it I would be one of those people Mm. like on the internet talking about Superman and you're like shut up right I got you 
There's right. no point. Any? Did you have one more? I had one more. I got to see an advanced screening. <gasps> well, aren't um, you special? It was just like AMC was like, you want to come watch this movie like a week and a You're half You're a VIP. We, like, we know yeah. how it is. It's it's okay. We can't all I mean, be I guess... you. We understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess so. But I uh, got to see um, The Dead Don't Die um, oh, on Wednesday. You, no, you've is... been excited about this, right? I've been so excited about okay. it. Are you allowed to talk um, about it, cast... or is there a hush clause in your early screening? No, because they already, the I think... I mean, it's already screened multiple places, um, and um, it opens, I think, f- this coming week, so I, if who knows what point in time you're listening to this, but um, if it's time relevant, you should see it. I've read, I've read a couple super negative reviews, It's I, which I, I didn't understand them. Like, Just come back. Oh. You read some negative reviews. I'm back. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people don't seem to like it, which is confusing to me, but... It's it's fine. Um, people cannot like things, and I can still like them. Um, but like so Maleficent, the point is, occasionally, you liked it. I liked it, and I feel like sometimes a movie is made for you, and this movie was made for me. Was it? Because it's funny. I feel like if this movie had come out ten years ago, I would have been so excited for it. And now it's one of those like, oh, indie film, you know, or I don't know what you'd call Jim Jarmusch, but, you know, famed indie filmmaker making a zombie comedy. And now I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, you know. So, and the trailer I thought was fun, but I will say Mm -hmm. if it didn't have Tilda Swinton, I might not have felt that way. So was she as fabulous as I want her to be? Well, yeah, she's not in it that much, honestly. Um, And it's not really as, I mean, as much as it's about zombies, it's not about zombies. Ooh, deep. It's well. It's like it's like uh, they and I mean they go. They tell you in the movie. It's like a Romero movie. Okay. It's about it's about the other things that it's actually about. Okay, fair. I get it. So it is a recommend from you. Oh, high recommend. Cool. I I sometimes forget that people don't feel the same way about things. So like you just <laughs> said, why you weren't really interested, and I was like, I guess I get that, but like. I don't know. For me, it was never like a ooh a zombie movie. It was like, oh, what like cultural or like political thing is going to be talked about and examined in this movie with a great cast. Ooh, okay, cool. Eh. Right. That's my pretentious thoughts on that. No, you. That's the thing about a Jim Jarmusch movie is, of course, it's going to be pretentious, but um, but yeah, yeah, I liked it. But what did you watch? All right, I watched I guess a lot of stuff. It seems like. All right, so I rewatched Hereditary. Uh, my husband had not seen it, and I've been itching to rewatch it. I still love it. I think it holds up. Um, I you do see more, you know, on rewatch. You look for certain things, and they're there. Mm-hmm. I think there were certain things that kind of tied up Brandon in it. Like he just didn't like the idea of, well, but you know, how much of this was planned. Um, and to me, I'm like, it's, it's a movie. You just let it go. Like, there was a sign on the fence post. That meant something bad was going to happen. Well, yeah, but did they arrange for this allergic reaction at this event and this and that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Just it's creepy and cool and all that. So um, <laughs> I still adore it. I, th- I still, my favorite movie of last year, without question. Uh, okay. So I watched a movie that I know you really love. And what? I didn't dislike. I liked it. I just think it was... Um, offensive and kind of a misdemeanor for this movie to have been two and a half hours long. And of course, I am talking about Aquaman. Oh, you thought it was too long. Christine, 
This movie is two and a half hours long. And I'm not saying two and a half hours long is too long for a movie to be. Uh, my recommend, my streaming recommendation was two and a half hours long. But, but Aquaman, which I liked. I enjoyed. I liked the visual palette of it. I really liked the performances. I think there was heart to it. Um, Jason Momoa was... I did not care for him wearing jeans, because I think that's kind of gross. If your thing is that you swim in water, why the fuck are you wearing jeans? Isn't that uncomfortable? Doesn't that weigh you down? Don't you feel gross when you get out of the water? But anyway, I just feel like this was a movie that had at least one, if not two, acts that it didn't need in order to have moved better. Um, yeah. But I liked it. I I guess I agree with you. I I did find it really pacey and it moved really fast, so I guess I didn't really notice. Mm-hmm. You saw it in the theaters or you saw it at home? Saw it in the theater. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and I feel like this is one where it might have played better that way. Whereas when I was home and I had to like pause it to go to the bathroom, pause it to get some water, pause it to this, and then it was like, oh my god, I still have two hours left. I still have an hour and a half left. My god, how many things are going to keep happening? And I think the other part to that was just the story just had. It didn't need to be as as long as it was, plain and simple. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, and happy no, I get what you're one. saying. Yeah, uh, I, I did see Annabelle and I got very excited. That's a very cute. Little I was gonna Annabelle. ask. I was gonna ask if you saw oh, yeah, Annabelle. No, I was very excited to see that. Uh, and along those lines, uh, another mo- after it, so I got Aquaman on Netflix disc, which I still do. I returned it, and then the next movie I got was from James Wan's former writing partner Lee Winnell, and I watched Upgrade. Oh, did you love it? I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it might have been overhyped for me because I feel like a lot of people really loved it. And because I really love Lee Winnell and really root for him, I expected just for this to be amazing. I think it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I just did, it wasn't great for me. It didn't it didn't do much that surprised me. And I guess I was expecting it to be something like transcendent just based on how much people liked it. Um, but it was good. And man, that guy really does look like Tom Hardy. He he does. Yeah. He's so beautiful. Oh, very beautiful. Um, yeah. I I think I felt similar to you. I did not love this movie as much as other people, and felt it was one of those situations where I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, like same. did I did I not get it? Like people were head over heels for this movie, and I was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, like I expected it just to be innovative, I guess, and it was a good concept, but I've. It wasn't that new of a concept, and stylistically, it didn't do anything that new. But I'm happy that people liked it. I liked it. Uh, I just, yeah, it was somehow sold to me where I was going to get something else, and I didn't. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I finally watched a movie I'd wanted to watch for a really long time, but could never find, and it is streaming on Prime now, and that is the original 1953's Invaders from Mars. So I had always seen the Toby Hooper remake from 86. Like, that was a movie I watched mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. growing up. And so finally, this is on Prime. It's like 73 minutes long. It's really short. It's it's not great. It's a 1953 sci-fi aliens are coming movie without that much depth or social commentary. Like, it doesn't... When you look at this and then you think, oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was just the same era. It was just three years later, but is doing the same story, but in a really, really deep uh, thematic way. This is kind of lighter and not as much, but there's some cool things going mm-hmm. on. And it has, a, in, like, when you see the aliens, they're kind of like doughy dudes in bodysuits and they're not that impressive. 
but some of the shots are done really well. Some of the staging, like it just the it the director or set guy, whoever it was, like had a really good eye. So there's just some things that are interesting to watch in it, and it's 73 minutes long. So there you go. You can't beat that. Uh, you cannot. Um, a movie that was not 73 minutes long, that was close to two hours, and <laughs> should not have been two hours, is Death Race Beyond Anarchy. Oh, which one's that? Okay. Is that new new? So this is new new. It's on Netflix. Um, the, I didn't realize the Death Race franchise like sort of has that Fast and the Furious-ness to it as far as being really linearly confused. So you have the original Death Race, which is a joy. Then you had the 2008 Jason Statham remake, which is boring. They did a sequel to that. I guess they did another sequel to that that was a prequel, or maybe the second one was a prequel, or maybe they were both prequels. Then you had an unrelated sequel with Malcolm McDowell that's fantastic and campy and really fun. And then you have this one that mm-hmm. showed up on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, okay. This I'm guessing this is unre- like just another stab at Death Race. And I think this is a sequel to the third film that's a prequel, so I guess it's kind of a prequel still. I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a character that was in all the other movies, but I don't know where he is in all the other movies. I haven't seen all the other movies. I've only seen the... Uh, of the Statham Universe ones, which Statham's only in one. I've seen that one, and that's it. This is part of that, except it's unrelated, I guess. I don't know. You don't have to know that much going in. It really, it kind of starts as if we're supposed to know characters with them very quickly. It's like kind of just another Death Race movie. Um, it's fun. It's kind of Mad Max 3-ish in terms of it being, it's in a. It's sort of a prison colony of sorts where... Uh, In the near future, they're just dropping people in this prison to live or die the rest of their lives. So it's kind of Escape from New York, sort of, that sense. And within that prison, there's a death race, and there's other obstacle courses before that. Danny Glover is there, because this is Danny Glover's life, Why not, right? Exactly. Um, it, It was what I was looking for. I watched it on a plane. I wanted kind of just, like, dumb, violent. You know, this. I am a simple person. These are the things I like in life. Uh, <laughs> and it gets that job done. It, I don't know, it's it's longer than it needs to be. It's a little mopier than it needs to be. When it's dealing with violence, it's kind of fun. The, the death race itself is a really small part of it. And, like, they save that until the very end. And then it's, like, a five minutes of a death race. So it's not really everything you look for in a death race movie. So it's a very mixed review. I don't know whether I'm recommending it or not. If you want a yeah, dumb, violent tell. movie, it's there. Yeah, I don't know either. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing All wrong right. with that. No, another movie that's a hard one where I have no idea if I recommend it or not. Uh, Amazon Prime. This is Catherine Bigelow's first movie, and it's she co-directed it with another director. And this is The Loveless with Willem Dafoe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen this? Do you know anything about it? No, no. But I, I, I know about it i've just never felt compelled to watch it for whatever yeah it's not and not that much happens in it i'm watching this movie and i'm like an hour into it i'm like wait is there a plot are we going anywhere uh it is set in the 50s willem dafoe and i think this was his first film and he's great in it as you'd expect him to be um he's kind of a 1950s greaser with his fellow greaser gang guys and they end up in a small town 
and they just hang out in a diner and they hang out in a bar and at some point there's a shootout um i don't know it it reminded me a little bit of that drew barrymore movie we watched a while back i think it was gun crazy in that like it just sort of had that same here's a small town people are kind of operating on a different moral compass it's stylish to an extent but it's very i don't know nothing really happens i don't think i liked Hmm. it but i'm glad i watched it it's not long uh but it moves very slow because nothing happens so i don't know again i feel like there's probably stuff there if i wanted to go back in and like I don't know if I needed to write a paper on it I could find stuff that's there that's thematic but it just didn't do much for me I guess yeah no that makes sense yeah um on Shudder a couple of things there I watched Leviathan part one I guess which is the first part of the Hellraiser series of documentaries that covers Hellraiser (laughs) and I think Hellraiser 2 um if you're a Hellraiser fan, it's worth watching. It's done very cheaply. Like, you think of the other documentaries like this you've seen, and they have them, you know, they're interviewing people with a nice backdrop. And in this one, it's like, there's Clive Barker in his living room and things like that. So it feels kind of not, this wasn't a heavily invested in documentary. But it's interesting to hear different people talk about Hellraiser and be pretty um, unfiltered about it. I forget who it is. I think it's one of the producers. Like, does not have nice things to say about Ashley Lawrence's performance in the movie, and so it's just not something you normally see in a documentary. So, again, it's on Shutter. Yeah. Give it a watch if you're curious. Also on Shutter, a movie I don't recommend, but other people seem to like, Hell House LLC. Did you watch? Yeah, I've I've to- no, I've never seen it. I've toyed with watching it because people seem to like it, but every time. I, I read the synopsis. I'm like, no, I'm okay. Um, I audibly spoke to the, my screen while watching it. I kept saying, stop moving the camera while I was watching the TV. Uh, it's found footage. And I and hey, I am not complaining about found footage. I like a lot of found footage horror. Here's what I don't like about found footage horror. I don't like when I physically get woozy watching it because the camera shakes so much. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. like that when it's supposed to be done by somebody who has some kind of skill with a camera. And in this case, where we're watching a movie that's like a documentary crew, that's a problem. Um, And the main thing is I don't like that found footage always seems to have to be about boring white 20-somethings being jerks to each other and bad things happening to them and me not deciding whether I care because I didn't like the characters to begin with. This movie does Mm -hmm. all of those things. A bunch of shitty young people who run like haunt. Okay, that's an okay concept. But can you make it interesting? Apparently not. And it's there's some good scares. Like, there are some good sequences. But I couldn't tell anybody. All of the dudes, a whole bunch. There is, okay, I really, I think I'm right about this. I think the only people of color in this movie are clowns. If you count clowns as being in color. Because they have face makeup on. There is, it is all <laughs> white people. All white people. The whole crew is white. There's another crew that's doing a documentary. And they're white. And everybody looks the same. I'm sure characters had different personalities, but I didn't get any of it because I couldn't tell who anybody was because it was filmed so darkly. Um, I just, I really hated it. And Was it scary? Occasionally. Occasionally there were some good shots. 
there mm-hmm. was, you know, they use clown dolls, and that's always going to be good. Like, yeah, you put a clown doll where it wasn't a minute ago, that's going to be creepy. Um, and the ending, like, it had a decent ending where you're, even though it was, wow, these characters are stupid, which is also something you tend to say a lot in found footage. Uh, but it did do some things well in terms of being a horror film. But as a film that you actually want to watch, I now I felt the same way about the houses that October built. And again, some people really liked it. So I think it really will depend on what kind of found footage you enjoy. If you liked houses that October built, I think you would like Hell House. I didn't like that movie, and I didn't like this movie. So hmm. yeah, yeah, I think it's going to remain a pass for me. Yeah, I don't think you would get anything out of it, but I think some listeners would. So yeah. Uh, curious of you seeing this one. I watched it on Hulu. Mom and Dad? Oh, yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't either. I liked the idea of it. This is yes, the, um, Nicolas Cage, Selma Blair, parents get infected and have to kill their kids. That's an interesting concept. And mm-hmm. even the way it was, the style or the attempted style of it being sort of, I don't know, like all of these, like, upbeat music scores when this is happening like okay that could be interesting but it's written and directed by taylor of neveldine and taylor Mm -hmm. i think if it had been um it's a case where this guy is not nuanced enough to have made the movie he wanted to make i think um it's just not i don't know there's interesting things going on but they're all bombastic even the scene that everybody raves about the scene where the parents show up at school and like go to kill their kids and it's a really tense setup but at the same time you don't know what's happening you don't know who anybody is you don't the movie doesn't really reveal that oh no parents are only killing their kids so that whole scene you don't really know who's going after who i don't know i just thought it was really badly made and it was a shame because there was something really cool there yeah that scene made me sick to my stomach yeah uh, like Selma <laughs> Blair like was it. great in it, and I wanted a, a movie of her character made by somebody else because because there was something really good there, but it did not work for me. Um, also, let's see, this I think was on Amazon Prime. I think uh, the Hive. You know, this is a horror movie, and I mm-hmm. watched it because I was going to the gym, and I wanted a I wanted a dumb horror movie. And I look at the synopsis, and I see something about summer camp counselors. I'm like, oh, good, this is what I want. Except it wasn't because it's much, it's like time travel and stuff. It's directed by the guy that just did Brightburn. Okay. I forget his name, but he's like of the school of James Gunn, like that kind of feel and style. And Sean Gunn is in this one. Um, It's decent as, oh, this is a low budget horror movie from a first time director who is trying to do something pretty new and pretty grand for what his budget was. Uh, So that's cool. I didn't love the movie. I think I thought the lead actor was actually very good, but the characters weren't very interesting because they're teenagers at summer camp and that's not going to be that interesting. Mm -hmm. So the central relationship of him and a fellow counselor who he's known for a week is just not going to be as deep as anything else you could be doing with that. Uh, But it's made pretty well, some good effects, some good ideas. So it's, it's a, it's a good little horror movie. Uh, another one that was good, but a little disappointing. Cause I feel like it had been hyped too much for me on Netflix. The autopsy oh, no. of Jane Doe. 
I still haven't seen it. Oh, okay. I really want to know what you think of it. I feel like you, you, I, I have, I don't know. I think you would like it. Um, I think you would have a really interesting read on it. I thought it was good. It's really well made. Um, I'm excited for the director because I think he's doing, he's doing scary stories to tell in the dark now, but then I think he's just been announced as the director for the long walk, which is exciting. Oh, cool. Um, I didn't realize that that's who was doing scary stories. Yeah. Uh, he he directs it well. It's really well directed. There's some interesting setups. There's some really <clears throat> interesting ideas and execution. And how it uses its elements is a- another director could have done that really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Brian Cox, who's always fantastic. It's Emil Hirsch, whose face I want to punch because he's a... a terrible human being but he's fine in the movie uh it i i don't know i i think it's i it was it did some really interesting things um and i would recommend listening to the faculty of horror podcast episode about it because they point out some things it does that are really really cool but i don't think it does everything it wanted to and i feel like it left me wanting more Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's good. I just, I, I think again, people had really repped for it, and it just, I was Pe- expecting yeah. more. People have been very um, passionate about it since it did. Like, I think it was like a Fantastic Fest or something. Like, people have been like, yeah. "You gotta see it!" Oh and yeah, I, it's, it's shown up on best of lists of yeah. you know best horror movies of the year. And I just went in. I knew roughly the mood I was getting. I just, I don't know. I think I, th- I thought I was getting like something much grander, not even grander, mm-hmm. something really that pushed and this was good and if anything it's kind of cool how small it was because i think in it's it's telling a really subtle story and it's not saying everything but it's all there and i'm I'm like very much dancing around things because i think the less you know about it going in also the more interesting it is well, i don't know anything good good you're good because there's certain things that if you go in hearing oh this is a blah blah movie then you watch it from a certain perspective and I think if you watch it, having that revealed to you, it it might prove to be more interesting. So, I really want you to watch it. I want to hear what you have to think about it. Hmm, okay. Okay. I I know I will at some point. Good. I just have a few more. One was on Netflix. It's a comedy from 2008 with a ridiculously good cast. This was Butter. You ever seen it or heard of it? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. So it's Jennifer Garner, Hugh Jackman, yeah, um, uh, Ty Burrell whole bunch more people like ridiculously good cast um christian charles is, is there olivia wilde's in it uh it's very much an indie comedy and it feels um like it's, it's trying a little too hard to be cute it doesn't really nail its tone so it's basically set in iowa and there's a butter carving contest and you know there's a little girl who's an orphan who um, who, you know, is going to enter this year, but then there's Jennifer Garner as the evil wife of the guy who always wins, and she enters too. And I think, like, the movie's kind of trying to be election, but it's not, doesn't know how mean it wants to go. Mm-hmm. So it's it's clever. There's things that I laughed at. Jennifer Garner is really good in it, and she can play that kind of character really well. When you have her play, um, like, a terrible Republican wife. She's really good at that. Uh, but it doesn't, it can't seem to decide if it's sweet or kind of sarcastic. Like I actually cried watching it. There's a really sweet scene. Um, 
his adoption is a big part of the movie and it's handled really well and really kindly. But then you're like waiting for the shoe to drop because you're waiting for to find out like, oh, no, this girl's been conning everybody because it feels like it, it that's the tone it's going for. But it's not. So it's not great. Um, but it's kind of I don't know. It's, it's enjoyable enough if you're looking for a comedy, I guess. Yeah, I that's a real deal breaker for me, though, like that that tonal issues. Like, yeah. Know what you're what you're where you're where you're at. You know, like I want to. I don't want something that decides occasionally to be mean and it feels out of place. And that's very much what this movie does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Just a few more. The favorite. Yagos Lathimos's movie. Uh, I really loved it. And I love it. Now, everything I've seen of his, I've loved. Um, he has become yeah. somebody that I just get excited about his movies. And this, which is not his screenplay... But it feels, I mean, it, it's fitting the humor in it and the tone is so fitting with what he does, which is this sort of, because you talk about somebody that knows his tone, that's him, and that's this movie, mm-hmm. because it is, uh, you know, snipey and and mean, but but everybody is a human being in it. They're just all terrible, but that's part of it. Um, everybody is great in it. Uh, the, I mean, the three women are as all deserve their Oscar nominations and wins, I guess. Well, I think Melissa McCarthy won, but whatever. Uh, it's really good. You haven't seen it yet, have you? No, I, I saw. We saw. Oh, it you in did the see it. What'd you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm I, sure you I, told I, me a year ago, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, but yeah. It was good. Yeah, it's just it. Yeah, like I can watch it again. I'm excited to watch it again because I feel like a lot of his movies I can't because they're either so dark or they're in a different language and it's hard to watch. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Then last night we watched uh, the documentary on Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's lovely. Oh, can't watch it. Sorry. You'll cry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll just walk out into traffic. I yes. can't do it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You will cry without question. <laughs> it's very sweet. Um, I couldn't watch the trailer. It made oh. me so, so upset. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, there was a PBS documentary that was about 45 minutes long or an hour long that we had watched a couple months ago that's similar i mean it's also just about him but it's about people talking about him and i mean i sobbed watching that too so yeah yeah uh something i did not sob at i saw a new movie yesterday what godzilla king of the monsters yeah we want we were almost saw that one there's there was a couple things to pick from Uh, tell me what you think do i need to go see it Uh, well let me preface this now my husband was really excited to see it and he kept asking me, like, oh, do you want to see it with me? And I was like, oh, let me see what the, what, you know, how the weekends pan out. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I liked the 2014 film. Didn't love it, love it. But I, I liked it. It dawned on me, uh, the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what I realized? I don't, and this was kind of surprising to me, I don't love the giant monster genre. I think to all the ones I've seen, and I mean, I 98 Godzilla is one of the worst things ever done in the world. Mm-hmm. But even just thinking about the, you know, about King Kong, Kong Skull Island, I liked um, all of the, you know, the other Japanese films that I've watched here and there in life. Like, I've liked, and I know exactly what it is. It's the same way I used to feel about mystery novels. I grew up a horror fan. If you tell me, here's a story about a gigantic monster destroying a city... I expect to see a horror film. Mm-hmm. And this, these movies are not that. Cloverfield aside, Cloverfield has other problems for me just in terms of who it's about. But that comes closest, I guess, to what I want out of these movies. So it did dawn on me, as I went into the movie, as I went out of the movie, that 
anything I say about it, do take with a grain of salt because I don't think Godzilla movies are made for me. They it no, is just I, not my genre. I agree with you though. Yeah. That being said, I really didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So wait, did you you just said you had seen the one prior to this, right? I liked 2014 Godzilla. Okay. I don't but but I say that I don't remember a single thing about it. I don't remember it either and I remember not loving it. Yeah. Um I remember I we went to see it in the theater and I remember like thinking, "Oh, I like that. I like some of the decisions. I like the I like the creature designs." And then when I sat down to watch this, as characters were coming on screen, I'm like, "Were they in the other movie? Am I supposed to remember them?" I have no idea if I was. And even that is handled weird. Because a few characters are. Ken Watanabe's character is a carryover. Sally Hawkins' character is a carryover. The the, the characters that the last movie was about, which was a boring white family, um, have nothing to do with this movie, which, guess who the stars are? A boring white family. Yeah. Now, the boring white family is Kyle Chandler, Revere Farmiga, and Millie Mae Brown, who are fantastic, and I love all, all of them. They're fine in this, but... And to say the movie is about them is, is not fair because it's really not about anything, not about the people. But at the same time, like, they are the central characters. At one point, the movie turns into, we have to save this child. So here, 30 soldiers, go risk your lives to save this one kid. And you're like, um, do we? I don't know that we do. This seems like overkill. So there was that. I didn't, to me, the monster designs are great. You get to see a lot of monsters, kind of. I say kind of because all the fights are in the snow or the rain or heavy fog. You can't, like, nothing is set in the daytime. I can't see anything. Um, I don't get why you make a giant monster movie and then you don't show us the monsters that clearly. And I think what really bothered me, because clearly I didn't like this movie, um, went into it knowing it's Michael Doherty who did Trick or Treat and Krampus. Yep. So... I was rooting for this guy because he's a horror geek and you look at his other films and they have a real sense of humor to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, okay, well like it'll, that's got to come through. Like even if the, if it's a big dumb monster movie, like I bet we're going to feel him through it and it's terrible dialogue. The, the jokes occasionally when Bradley Whitford's giving a joke, it's okay because it's Bradley Whitford. So we know how to sell it. But there's so many, anytime there's like a one-liner, it just thuds. Like you just hear it hitting the ground. There's no real charm to anything or anybody, at least for me. Um, Brandon liked it a little more than I did, but he also, he was like, yeah, dialogue was terrible, this, that. Uh, he, he, he's a big Godzilla fan. He got excited. He got emotional um, when character, when monsters showed up that he's always wanted to see done right come, come on screen with a $170 million budget behind mm-hmm. them, he got really excited. So I think if you like the monster aspect, you're going to get something out of it. Um, I just, I checked out of this movie so much that I, that wow. I got to points where I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, who's, is that character dead? Is that character still alive? Are they oh, underwater? Man. They're underwater. Because I was this thinking makes, about this like, this makes me feel projects. like I don't want to see it in the theater now. At the same time, if you're going to see it, see it in the theater, because you want to see see it on a big screen. Um, we, we saw it at the Alamo Draft House with, like, two other people in the theater. It was a very, very sparsely attended screening. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, I had my chips and queso, and I had a nice big screen in front of me. Um, 
yeah, it was not for me. I really didn't like it. But if you're a Godzilla person, you probably owe it to, to yourself, I guess, to see it. <sighs> I'll probably... I'm going to see it, but I don't know if I'm going to... I feel like if you're going to see it, <laughs> see it in a theater. Yeah. My, my mom loves big monster movies like Godzilla movies. She, she this was her most anticipated movie like probably of the year wow. okay. um she's she already saw it but she'll be here next weekend and she said I'll see it with you again oh so, okay she so she, did she really like it she, yeah but th- she she is the one she's yeah, the one that will like these her. movies no yeah. matter what yep. exactly yep yeah I mean it's it's better than Godzilla 98 by a, by a very large margin everything is better than Godzilla 98 but still like yeah she likes that though too. Oh no! Oh <laughs> I, no! I thought I knew your mother, but I she's did not. there for Godzilla. Like yeah. she shows, she doesn't care about anything else that happens or any of the other characters. She shows up for Godzilla. Okay, I mean you get a lot of Godzilla in this one. I think you get more Godzilla than you have in like most Godzilla movies. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, tell me what you think when you get there. Uh, okay. Only other things um, TV wise, I watched on Hulu. I finally got around to watching Shrill. Which is the TV series with A.D. Bryant from Oh, Saturday yeah, yeah. I just watched the first episode. Okay. Uh, what did you think of the first episode? Was it enough I liked to it. make you keep going? Or Yeah. There's just so much stuff to watch. I get and it. And trying to keep movies in it. Yep. It's just tough. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this I found very, like, because Hulu is pretty good about just moving into the next episode. So I kind of, I think I watched, like, the first three without realizing I had sat down for three episodes. <laughs> Um, I really liked this. I thought the first episode was getting me worried because it was 10 minutes in. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I just got through Dietland. I don't want to watch another show about a heavy woman, like, being mistreating herself and allowing herself to be mistreated. Like, that's not fun to watch. But very mm-hmm. qu- even in the first episode, it very quickly kind of makes the statement that, like, nope, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get something else. And I, I was really excited by the end of it. And I'm excited for the next season, which I think they have announced, so... Uh, and then Black Mirror-wise, I'm getting through the next season, and I finally got around to Bandersnatch. Did you? No. You, you don't do Black Mirror, right? I, I, it's not something that I can physically do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen some of the episodes of the first season, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, no. And Zach's been watching the newer one, or at least he watched the first one, the one with Anthony Mackie yep, that people yep. What did he think about? of that one? He thought it was okay. He thought it was okay. Oh, I just yeah. got a shrug. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of where I landed, too, on that one. So. But people seem to... I've heard that that's the best one. It's it's funny. I feel of like that... Thing. I think that's the most divisive one, in a way. People are either really getting... Like, feeling it, or they're kind of like, eh... I felt I felt like it was, which is true of most Black Mirror episodes. Like it's well done, it's well acted, it's yeah. well shot. Yeah, I, that's never. I don't feel like that's ever up for discussion. Right. I really do feel. Yeah, like it's it comes quality down TV. To, yeah, it's just a question of like, what is that episode saying? And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like ultimately, what it's saying feels. It, it's like the show. Th- I, I think that episode thinks it's say, it's making a really bold modern statement, <laughs> but it's 2019, and it feels. If anything, like, you're just getting that now, that that's okay. So, I don't know. I don't want to spoil that episode, but um, it just seemed like for this episode making this statement that this weird sexual thing was okay, 
in moderation. It's like, yeah, but it's 2019. That'd be okay at any time. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I just, I just don't think it's for me. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Bandersnatch wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, this is the one that you choose your own adventure when watching. Yep. And I finally watched it. And I mean, I, I don't know. I watched a, a several variations of it, I guess. You watch it. It ends. Mm-hmm. It takes you back. You make another decision. It goes on. So I did that for, I don't know, about an hour and then kind of jumped back in and did it kind of in the background for a little bit. And I think the concept's really cool. And I think Black Mirror was the right program to do it. Um, and even the fact that they kind of weave it into a sort of very meta narrative about that. Like, yeah, sure. I just wish the narrative was more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say Will Poulter is in it and he plays a sort of um, like kind of bad boy video game guy. And it just made me really sad that we didn't get to see him as Pennywise. He would have been good, he huh? Been so good. He was supposed to be Pennywise when it was going to be the guy that did True Detective, and then it got flipped over. And just seeing him be British and be weird, man, he would have been a great Pennywise. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. I, yeah. Isn't this the movie where people started to say how ugly he was? And yeah, he, had to, like, he left Twitter. He said, he's like, yeah. I'm just taking a break, which is really unfortunate because, I mean, maybe not. Like, as long as he's happy, that's the important thing. But it's unfortunate because he's so good in it, and he's magnetic in it, and it just... I I knew I liked him from the things I'd seen him in, and when he was announced as Pennywise, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder what he can do. And then watching this episode, I'm I'm mad, because I really think he would have done something really, really interesting. So I hope he gets good roles, because I think he's a really dynamic, weirdly charismatic actor. I like them. Um, yeah. All right. So that's what we've been watching. Why don't we take a quick break and then delve into season 11, 12? Yes. 12? 11. 11. 11. Of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> something like that. Episode 11, D7, something. Yeah. Numbers. Bad. Hey, kitty girl, it's your world When you walk the street, step into the beat Hey, kitty girl, get your twirl In the disco heat, you're the boogie by the rockin' queen Gone tomorrow, but you're here for today Season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Christine, talk to me. So for people at home, we're going to talk about the whole season. So if you don't know who the winner is, you probably do by now. But if you don't, we're going to spoil everything. Don't blame us. We warned you. What did you think? uh, I guess from let's start from the beginning of the season. Who did you call as the winner? Well, so there are fantasy leagues that exist. And next season, I'm doing it. Oh my God. But my my top four were in the top five. Okay. Okay. So, but so I I picked I picked a big bunch of people that I thought were going to go really far. Um, one of them was was Vanjie because yes. I I just look. I'm going to say it. 
I I love her in a way that is unhealthy. I I love her so much that it makes me want to cry. Aww. There is something so beautiful and so genuine and so sincere about that person. Plus, she's gorgeous, and also Boy Vanjie is very handsome. It's Boy just Vanjie's a lot. Adorable, yeah. A lot is happening for me on that front. She's hysterical. Yes. So I was immediately like, okay, so Vanjie. So for me, I said, Vanjie, Evie, Brooklyn, Silky, and Plastique. That was my, like, this is going to be it. These are the ones. Um, I thought I was going to really like Silky. (laughs) I did did not end up liking Silky. At what point did you realize that she was the worst? The first episode when she kept picking Miley up. Um, And... And this is not this is not a black thing. It's nope. not a weight thing. It is a personality thing. Yep. She she's just not it for me. She makes me uncomfortable. Well, the shame she, is the show didn't realize that until the finale. Yeah. This was the first season to me where they got it so wrong because. I mean, any reality show, you have all this footage, and you edit it, you're editing episodes, you're figuring out what's going where, and what, what story you're presenting, right? You are crafting a narrative when you do reality TV. Mm-hmm. You're taking footage, and you're deciding who's the villain, who's the hero, all of this stuff, who's the underdog. And it, it felt like this was a season of TV where, from the very beginning, they said, oh, Silky is the story. People are going to yep. love Silky. Mm-hmm. And somehow the show did not realize until the last episode, oh, we were so wrong about that. She is terrible. She is not it for me. I don't like I have. That's fine. Drag is for everybody. People can like different queens. It's great. But my problem became I feel like she was kind of guided into the top four. Oh, well, let's just go right to the one moment. Are you, ta- are you talking about the meh lip sync? <laughs> yeah, let's jump into that. Because this was, to me, it was the first time when I ever really disagreed with a ruling on a lip sync. But it wasn't even just like, oh, the wrong queen got in. It was like, did you watch the lip sync that I just mm-hmm. watched? Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. So it's, I forget what the song was. Was it No Scrubs? Yes. Okay. So Nina West, who, spoiler alert, was my favorite queen, but was very much like my type of queen, which is a different thing. Well, she was great. She won me over. I think I told you I didn't like her at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not not that I didn't like her, but... She wasn't your thing, yeah. I was just like, "Uh, I I guess. But then I was like, oh, this Nina's got a heart of gold, and she's hysterical. That After the fucking magic challenge, I was like, she's a genius. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm my favorite type of queen is usually a comedy queen, mm-hmm. uh, th- and, and usually they're theater theater queens. Jinx Monsoon, like yep. I like the queen that can perform and is quick and is smart. And so Nina West very much fit the bill for me from the beginning. I don't think she was at the same level as a Jinx or a Bianca or some of the other ones in that place, mm-hmm. but she was for me like she was the one that I was gravitating towards all season long, mm-hmm. and. So you get a lip sync, which was not a good song for her. Like, and I mean, no. again, that doesn't mean much because you should be able to, as a performer, make anything your own. But yeah, have, going in there, she had a little bit of a disadvantage. It was not a song. Have you heard the thing? Well. Sorry to cut you off, but this is this is very this is very related. Have you heard the thing about how they'll change the song depending on who's in the bottom two? 
I believe that. When do they, do you know when they know what the songs are? I'm not sure, but the one that I'm thinking of is um, season eight, the Chi-Chi Devane, Thorgy, um, black and white lip sync, the, where they're in the, like, the, the detox, okay. monochromatic look, and they they changed the song, because the, and the, the thing, the, I don't know how true this is, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the angle is, we cha- they changed the song so that Chi-Chi would have an advantage. I believe it. So, it's reality TV, like it, yes. you know, and any anybody that goes into reality TV has to go in knowing, you know, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about the story they want to tell, and yep. you know, this season and, they want a, uh, you know, they want a young queen. This season they yep. want a fashion queen. They want a queen of color. They want this. Like all of these things are are going into this project. It's not a fair contest. No reality television show no, is. No, no. And to your point, though. You sh- uh, a lot of there are wonderful, amazing drag queens that can perform any song well. Yep. Like if this is to push and stretch your abilities, so like you, oh, you don't think I can perform no scrubs? I'm gonna go out there and fucking murder it, you yes. know? Yeah. And yet, so you get because <laughs> you get. I mean, and Nina did not murder it. No, she didn't do the worst job. No, I mean didn't. Silky I've did the worst it. job. I've watched it multiple times. Yeah. She did not do. No. She didn't do bad. She still performed the song. Sure, she stood in the same spot a tiny bit, and it wasn't the most compelling thing. But she also didn't run to the back of the stage and like climb on set pieces. And that's basically what Silky does. Is I mean, her you know she does a wig reveal, which isn't a reveal. It's just a wig falling off, basically. And then she's got her back to the judges half the time, probably because she didn't know the words. She does the saddest split I've ever seen. And somehow she stays. She wins the lip sync. She doesn't stay. She wins that lip sync. She wins the lip sync, yep. Which, first of all, any lip sync that's a mash should be an automatic double elimination. Agreed. There's nothing wrong with them. They do them all year. Um, And how can you... And that was the moment when I was just like, oh, God, Silky's going to win. Like, Silky's going to win all of it because they have clearly decided they need her here. And I don't get it. I think part of and I don't know how much of it is RuPaul going in with a narrative. And I doubt RuPaul is watching all of the footage as they're filming. Yeah. RuPaul is seeing the judging. RuPaul's in the workroom. RuPaul sees the lip syncs. I do think it very much is RuPaul's decision on who stays, who goes. And I think RuPaul's thought was, oh, Silky is probably better TV. People people are probably talking about Silky like crazy. This is filmed like a year ago, so they have no idea how anything's being received. But they also go into this, RuPaul goes into it not having the editors come over and be like, hey, have you watched Untucked? Um, Silky is awful. Like, everybody's going to hate her. Are you sure you want to keep her? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then you get to the finale where Silky, so Silky's in the finale, which, uh, you know, at that point, fine, whatever. And Silky gets the first pick of a lip sync. And Silky picks Brooklyn to go against. What do you think of that decision on her end? Why do you think she made that decision? I have a theory. Oh, I I want to know I want to know your theory. I was surprised. I remember yep. feeling like well because the story is her versus Evie. 
So yeah. she's going to pick Evie, and Evie's going to absolutely destroy yeah. her. Silky has spent and- weeks saying, I'm yeah. better than Evie. Evie is my direct competition. Yep. She's not my competition because she's nothing compared to me. Well, I, I, I thought to myself, I said, as long as Brooklyn and Evie don't have to lip sync against each other in the first round, yeah. this will end in one of two ways that I'm yep. expecting it to. That being said, I, I was team Akira from the jump from, really? I think it's the second episode, the good God girl, get out episode where she is, she's the work, the woman that works at the DMV and she yeah. comes in and tases um, Silky. She's so fucking funny. Akira was, in acting challenges was pretty damn good. Everybody was sleeping on Akira, and You're I was right. like, no, Akira is so funny. So like, I'm not going to say that Akira didn't deserve to be in the top four. She was great. She that, but definitely. I, her, the lip sync that she won was against Raja, who, and that wasn't like a, an amazing lip sync. No. So I was like, okay, well, I feel like there are, are tiers of lip syncing here. Clearly, yep. Evie and Brooklyn are very top tier. Yes. And then, and then you have Akira, and then you have Silky. So I thought, I thought Silky was gonna either pick Evie to continue the story right, because to prove she, herself, which is what she should have done, or pick Akira because Akira was the safer of the the, the three. Which is why. My theory, and this isn't just my theory. I think I read this on Vulture, and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. <clears throat> so Silky looks at the three uh, queens she could lip sync against. Mm-hmm. She could lip sync against Brooklyn, who has proven herself to be a lip sync assassin, who can move, who can sing, who she knows is probably going to dominate her in a physical lip sync. She could pick Akira, where she might have a chance, because we've only seen Akira lip sync once, and it was kind of meh. So... Okay, that makes sense. Or she could pick Evie, which is what she should have done, and what the show, I'm sure, was dying for her to do. Yeah. Based on the fact, the show was so clearly setting up things this season. One of it was um, Vanjie versus Brooklyn. You knew you had to have that lip sync. Mm-hmm. And you knew you had to have Silky versus Evie, and yet you didn't. Because Silky gets that moment to make the decision do I compete against Evie and prove that she was right the whole time and that she's better than me? Do I compete against Akira and maybe win and then have to compete against Evie? Or do I compete against Brooklyn where I'm probably going to lose and good, I'm done? I think by the time this show aired, Silky realized, oh, fuck, I'm not beloved. People didn't get me. People didn't like me. Um, I haven't looked at Silky's social media. I'm sure it's a whole lot of negative of people going off. Because Drag Race fans are kind of notoriously terrible on social mm-hmm. media. Where they like, <coughs> drive wars between queens and really, really get invested. And I bet Silky got a lot of kind of deserved, but not if it was cruel hate. And I think well, Silky got to the point where she was like, I want to tap out. And this is the best way to tap out. Go against the queen that's... If Brooklyn beats me, I don't have anything to say because, of course, Brooklyn was going to beat me. Everybody knows she's a professional dancer. If right after the the Nina elimination, her every one of the pictures that Silky put up was just hundreds of meh. Yeah, just just she had to shut down comments because it it was just people commenting meh meh yeah. Um. So, and then a video of her at a at a gig came out and it was embarrassing and sloppy and. 
and pe- and people were really sharing that heavily. Yeah. I, I, I like it's. I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, and anybody that doesn't like Silky, I get. But like, I don't know. She's still a human person. Yeah. So like, I would never join the pylon. Um, let me tell you. Let me say this about that though. We went and saw the season eleven tour um, last Ooh. Monday. Um, I, the only reason I went is because Vanjie was going to be there, and okay. I honestly like I cannot tell you how much I love oh. her. But but we it was supposed to be the top four plus Vanjie, so the top five, and then Honey, Raja, and. Ugh, somebody else, I think I'm forgetting. Um, oh, it's Soju. Real Soju. Oh, okay. Soju. Um, so we went. Sadly, Brooklyn was not there. I do not know why. I know Vanjie got sick right after, so maybe Brooklyn was sick. Um, but so, but it was still fun. It was a fun show. Um, that being said, Silky was kind of what you'd expect, but people seemed to really love it, and I. Huh. And I thought maybe it's this this armchair, you know, quarterbacking where people are like, I don't, I hate her. She's annoying. She's obnoxious. She needs to shut up. Uh, I like this one better. But then when she gets in front of you and she's like, Come on, sing it with me. Right, Everybody right. starts singing and clapping, and she like throws herself on the ground for some kind of weird death drop, and people like go nuts. And I was yeah. just like, I guess. I don't know. People seem to get swept up in it. And I I was just like, I don't, this is not for me. There's plenty of other things happening here. Because <laughs> it's, me. I mean, there's so many different, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like forms of, or skills of entertaining in drag. Because yeah. you have obviously lip syncing and you have dancing and you have, you know, fashion or that. And this season I think was really interesting in that way because you had the Instagram drag queens who very quickly proved themselves not ready for competition. And that was Mm -hmm. Ariel Versace and Soju where, yes, you can take a picture and it's not that that's easier. It's it's hard. If you don't know how to do it, it's a whole thing. But just because you can take a great picture and get a million followers doesn't mean you can walk in heels. Apparently if you're Soju (laughs) and like, I think there's an interesting aspect to like old school, like what drag was for so long was Nina West. It was, being able to dress big and have big hair and go to a drag bar and host a bingo or host a lunch and have the crowd in your hands. And basically you're, you're doing comedy, you're doing improv, you're managing a crowd like that. I think is such a big part of drag. And that's probably something Silky can do in certain, in a certain context. Silky, because she is loud and because she is a big personality if you put her in a in a bar and give her a microphone, she can probably get that crowd on her side. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I that what I observed. Yeah, I mean, Drag Race. I think one of the bo- most like both interesting and kind of unfair things about the show is that it's you know it's not about one type of drag, but it's not about the most well rounded. Like, how do you win Drag Race? is a really hard question. You have to be the best of the best each week. And one week that might mean being good at improv. And one week that might mean giving a makeover to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you've had, you know, a fashion queen win, right? You've really only had one. You had, um, oh, I can't think of her name suddenly. 
Violet? But yeah, Violet Chachki. You had like a looks one looks queen. You've had a lot of comedy queens. Um, I guess Aquaria was kind of a looks queen. She kind of was, but I think the difference between and people would potentially argue this. For me, the difference between Violet and Aquaria is Aquaria showed up as a more well-rounded queen. She yes. wasn't afraid to look stupid and like sure Violet like she played ball and she like put it out there for she got like, through it but she never excelled in anything yeah, that never wasn't ex- about looks she never excelled and I think Aquaria was able to yes. Aquaria Aqua- I, 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 they're the same but yet so very different it's very true <laughs> and this season where you had especially when you look at your final four you had Akiria who was who was a pageant queen but who also had a really good skill when it came to not, I, I guess, comedy. I mean, yeah. she would never call herself a comedy queen, but every time she had an acting challenge or an improv challenge, she was fantastic. Um, you had Silky, who I think was really just that personality queen, who was terrible yeah. at looks, who could pull off a good look if she decided to. But was even then was never innovative, just could do it if she was really, really forced to. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, who was probably the one of the other best well-rounded queens mm-hmm. where she she could perform, she could she she was a looks queen. She could manage, but she never excelled when it was all about personality. And then you had Evie, who I think easily was the deserving winner. And I was ready to throw something at the screen if she didn't win. Um, and I think she was surprisingly well-rounded, even if she had some lows. Yeah, I, for me, it was down to Brooklyn or Evie. Of, of course, it was going to be one of them. I, I really liked Brooklyn. Um, I thought she was very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I thought she, she was funnier than anybody gave her I'd agree. credit for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there was that the the L.A. D.P. episode right, right. where where of, she was very funny, and of course, people acknowledged how funny she was. But like, I, I, it, when it came just down to the lip syncs, there was no contest, no. which was surprising. Like, it, the Brooklyn got a bit lost in the in well, the in the last lip sync, and I was like, well, Evie's gonna win because she's she's doing amazing right now. Well, that, that lip sync was, I think, a really interesting one. Because what I loved about it, what I loved about what Evie did, was, like, I've gotten pretty tired of reveals. Because, I mean, okay, so, like, and they got especially bad, I think, the last All-Stars season. Yep. Where, because it was, I think they, they came in so polished and so prepared, it meant they knew, they probably knew every song. So they came in knowing which costume they were going to use for everything. And so mm-hmm. every time Trinity came out in, like, an oversized coat, you were like, all right, she's got three looks under there. Let's see them. Yeah. And even in this case, when they come out and, like, Brooklyn has a kind of a coat that just says reveal all over it, which is kind of cute, except that you're like, okay, so here's a reveal, and then it's just a bodysuit. She's not really, like, after that, it wasn't really anything special. And I love, the other part to that is the whole, when you're doing lip syncs, there's, like, the whole approach of, okay, I'm just going to come out and be physical and just give it energy and just do whatever my body can do. Sometimes that works, but if you're just throwing yourself at it, it also isn't really a good lip sync if you're not connecting to it. Yeah. Um, I think it was, what was it, the All-Star season when it's Latrice and 
Oh, no, it's not All Stars. It's season two. I think it's when it's Latrice and um, oh, one of like the little dancing ones. And it's Kenya? Na- is it Kenya? And it's Natural Woman. Yeah, and Latrice it's Latrice just, and Kenya. It's like yeah, the best yeah. lip sync because Latrice just stands in one place the whole song. And Kenya is like dancing and doing backflips back for a song that does not merit that those things. And Latrice wins very easily. Yeah. And that's kind of what you had here where Evie comes out in a gown. So you're like, oh, I bet she's going to rip off the bottom and reveal something so that she can move. No, she doesn't have to because she has come out with such a, a cool yeah. costume idea for one thing. And that, I mean, that, that mirrored headdress was so it great was so and played cool. so yeah. well on camera. And she knew... I, I just have to connect to the song. I'm still I can still do some weird things with my body, but I don't have to be doing a backflip like Brooklyn because that's even if that seems more impressive on paper, what I'm doing is going to connect better. And it did, and thank God she won, I would have been mad. Even Evie's first lip sync outfit, I was like, that's fucking bold because there's yeah. so it's so heavy and yep. bulky and she's still she did amazing. She did, yeah. It was uh, so good. No, she Evie is twenty four years old. Did you know Jesus that? Christ, God, no. I didn't. I knew she was on the younger side, but twenty four years old. She, she. So we saw her perform in person. She's amazing. Oh, what did she do? She did. She came. She came out in like a onesie and like lip synced the intro to the Lion King theme. <gasps> oh my god! But it was really, really good. That sounds amazing. Like she, but and then at the end they did the, like it was it should have been like the top four lip sync but it was only the top three because Brooklyn wasn't there but they like lip synced to their own um like what the, quotes okay and then and then like did like little like it was almost like a lip sync skit and they did a, a bit of performance she's just captivating yeah she's insane to watch um her her and Brooklyn's lip sync um to sorry not sorry. Ugh. Yeah. I, I must have I've watched that like a dozen times. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, They're both so good. And I expected that level of Brooklyn to show up. Oh and, man. Yeah. And it wasn't really there. No, no, it was not. No. I think the format of the finale I also don't love. Yeah. Um it you you know that they film it like a week in advance or possibly like longer in advance and film both endings. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see Evie win, that's not her knowing she was won because they also film Brooklyn winning. I don't know how they do it, honestly. Yeah, and then I don't know how they find out. Like that's the big thing. Is I, I do they find out when it airs? I'm not sure. Well, All Stars, the last All Stars where it was, um, where it was Trinity and Monet, they found out at a viewing party. I I, ugh, I, hate I that. watched I watched them watching it. Yeah. With a, crowd of people and trinity didn't understand at first it was very cute yeah Uh, but But it's ridiculous like just i mean you can hit like it's not that i I get that filming anything live is kind of a big undertaking but just film it fucking live you've been doing it for 11 years at this point like you know you you have the money now to do this the right way just do it live yeah it's it's ridiculous and it just because it that moment as exciting as it is as a viewer you never have the emotional impact of it because you know that they're not experiencing that emotion yeah um speaking of the finale did you see ashley benson (gasps) no 
She is cut to repeatedly in the crowd. <gasps> oh, I just her, probably with, didn't recognize her. With her girlfriend, oh. Enchantress from Suicide Squad, oh. who obviously was on the show earlier yes. that season. They were together, and every time they cut to her, she was like, she had her hand over her mouth in shock. She oh. was just like, like aghast at how amazing everything was every time. It was the cutest oh, thing I've so ever seen. That's so adorable. I love it. I love it so much. Oh. Cute. I know. She's the best little liar. The, oh, um, without question. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not wild about the finale. And, no. But it played out in a way that I was satisfied yes, with. Yes, yes. So whatever. And I'm glad that Evie got to, like, win in a really cool way. Like, yeah. I mean, that costume was... It was awesome. Amazing. And just yeah. perfect and so smart. And I think that's the thing that's really that I liked about Evie all along, because I did like Evie from the beginning, and even on the episodes where she was fighting with everyone, I usually was still on her side most of the time. Yeah. And the thing I really appreciated about her was like, wow, she's really smart. Like, she knows, first of all, like, she gets references, and she puts them in her costumes, and there's something really mature about her. But the, And then that she could do drag with a really interesting sense of humor, and now saying all that and realizing and she's fucking 24 years old just makes yeah, me kind I of know. angry. Because <laughs> I was not that clever when I was 24. Or 37, for that matter. Yes, you are. Oh, you're kind. But yeah, so overall, how did, did you, um, season-wise, I mean, like, where's your ranking of the season? Like, good one of the good ones, one of the worst ones? I, it was not one of the worst ones. It is probably one of the... I, I will rewatch it. I I enjoyed it. The there were there were some really high highs. Um, I've heard the sentiment that Silky ruined it. I don't know if I would say that, but like there overall, there this was a really amazing group of yeah. queens. Like Nina was Nina, who didn't get to stay nearly long enough, no. was amazing. Yeah. I thought Sugar was amazing. I yeah. thought I liked Sugar. Me too. I Mercedes, I thought, I wish she could have stayed longer. Her lip sync was really good. Yeah. I wanted to see more of what people could do. I thought Plastique was going to like coast into the top four. Yep. Um, and then obviously Vanjie, who, yeah. was, who was consistently hysterical. And she was so funny in the, um, the, the, the divas one where like they did, they had to like praise the, different divas or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. She was that she was so funny in that and then I, I one of my favorite challenges is is the good god girl get out one. <laughs> I've watched that so many times. It's ridiculous. Evie's so good in it. Yeah. Um Scarlet's really good in it. Like everybody's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked Scarlet. There wasn't I there was really... I Scarlet was one of those ones who I first I feel I do think she should not have been eliminated that week. I think I agree. I, I I think part of it too, and this is also where um, something that was really so the, the politically, this is like hard to say and not. I don't want to come off wrong. This was an exciting season because you had more queens of color than you did white queens. Yeah. That was really exciting. Then I'm looking at the order of queens eliminated. So starting from the bottom, Soju, Kahana, Honey, Mercedes, like you had four queens of color go the first four weeks. Boom. 
And it just got very like, oh, crap. Are we going to end up with four white queens in the finale mm-hmm. again? And when, like, I think, I can't remember. I guess it was Scarlet versus Raja, who really was problematic. It just was such a kind of bitchy yeah. and really didn't show much and kind of... I probably should have been eliminated earlier. There, and that was another case of a lip sync where you're like, oh, well, Scarlett has a disadvantage because we know she can't dance. We know she's super white. And yet I really liked her lip sync. I thought it was clever. Like she kind of leaned into her being an awkward white girl and had a more memorable lip sync, I thought, than Raja. Yeah. And I think Scar- what was interesting about Scarlett was she was really young. She was clearly came in being really cocky and within a week was like, oh, I am not as good as I thought I was. And she seemed to be learning. And there was something really fun about that. And so and even when she came back on the kind of frustrating that episode, which I kind of hated for other reasons, because it felt this episode felt the most producer driven where oh, it was like, let's talk about Wiggate. Nobody wants to talk about Wiggate. Nobody cares about Wiggate, except for the producers who clearly were like, psst, psst, Akira, can you mention something about the wigs again? And the, that happened so many times, both yeah. in Untucked and on the show, where randomly a character would be like, so everybody, I want to know what we all thought about Evie this week. And it's like, no, you don't want to know. The producer told you to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And you're not very good at making that sound natural. And so I think that was a little bit of the frustration this season. Was it just like Drag Race has been on for a while. This was this with the last season were the first seasons where it was suddenly mainstream in a way. And this was the first season to me that felt like a little bit of a mainstream reality show in how it was being crafted. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a disappointing thing for me. And so did Silky ruin it? No, Silky didn't ruin the season. But the fact that the producers were trying to tell a narrative with her that the audience didn't want to hear, that made it really painful for me to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's. I think it's just going to continue down this road, sadly. They tried to do it yeah. last season with Cracker and Aquaria, and they had to come to oh the God, agreement. I forgot about that. Yeah. That they that, that wasn't going to be their story. Yep. Their story wasn't going to be that they were rivals. Yeah. And I I think that that's it's, – it's so strange because you have these contestants that don't want to do this, that don't want to be manipulated and put into the gears of this machinery, but yet you still have producers that are like, no, 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 we're going to yeah. do it. You and if you, don't you get to. the right personnel or the wrong personality, depending on how you look at it, you get a queen who knows, oh, but if I'm the one with the conflict, Raja, yeah. I get more screen time. And let's face it, that's probably why Raja won two out of her four lip syncs mm-hmm. was because, or two out of three, I guess, because clearly she was manufacturing better drama than most of the queens she was competing against. And when you're that contestant, and I think on Drag Race in particular, it's kind of known as being very competitive because you go on Drag Race to make your name. And you're there, and that's, you know, the whole... There are challenges all about branding and about that whole thing of, hey, remember, you're here to build a brand. You're going to leave here you know, odds are 15 to 1 that you're going to win. So when you leave, you're taking something else, which is going to be earning, you know, you want them to remember you. Mm-hmm. And so you look at, like, Sugar, who came, you know, who probably knew she wasn't going to win and also probably knew that, you know, she wasn't the biggest personality, 
as com- compared to somebody like Raja, who was no better a queen than her, but will probably be remembered more just because she was kind of a cunt. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think part of it is a matter of how do you handle producer manipulation. And it's also something we can never judge because I, and I've seen it most. Um, the place I can really see it is on Project Runway when you can see the fact that they haven't slept in days mm-hmm. and they go from being one personality type to suddenly like losing it and you're watching it and you can tell you're like, it's because you haven't eaten a meal or haven't seen the sun and the producers are trying to get a story out of you. Mm-hmm. And that happens here. And I think here where you have a lot of performers who know, oh, but if I lean into that, it's going to be better for my career in the end. Yeah. I wish it could be less like that. Yeah. yeah. There were even some people that said, oh, well, that's why Brooklyn uh, is in a relationship with Vanjie. is because she knows that's going to be really good for the story. But, I... I don't, yes, I don't believe that that's true on Vanjie's part, but no. I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I know, based on the reunion, did you watch the reunion? Yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> clearly we see who broke whose heart in that relationship, so. <laughs> Team my, Vanjie, I know. That poor angel. <laughs> I know, oh my god, that was heartbreaking. Protect her at all costs. That really was one of those, like, when, <laughs> when you have friends who are in a couple, and, like, you're friends with both of them, but they break up, and when you like realize you have to pick a side or when there's something that makes you pick a side and then suddenly suddenly like everything about the other person you hate so much that's also oh, where that I cold-hearted yeah. i still really like brooklyn but like yeah i don't know i i don't want to be so um naive that i don't think that that's a possibility but i also don't want to be so jaded that i'm like yeah it was 100 percent for right i don't know i know we we, we can never know yes um, oh, one other thing, when you mentioned Plastique that I wanted to mention was, um, I thought something really interesting with Plastique is that, who didn't do much for me, but I mean, she could do looks really well, but the other queens joked about, well, that's just because she paid for good costumes. But the episode where Alyssa Edwards came on, which, first of all, why isn't Alyssa Edwards actively every, employed by Drag Race? Every episode, And yeah. she needs to be the choreographer. She should be there every episode as the choreographer, because she's so... F- First of all, she's really good. Like, she knows how to do this. And the other part, she's so funny. But the episode where they brought her in to, like, help everybody with their walks, it was really interesting to see that. Because, like, you saw the difference in Plastique when suddenly um, Alyssa came to her and was like, what are you doing? Do it right. And then the next episode, or that later that episode her walk basically won her the challenge. Yeah. And that's something I like is when you realize all the little things about, like, obviously makeup is, is one part of drag and performance is another part, but something I guess I don't think about is like, Oh yeah, just your walk walking Mm -hmm. in front of the judges. What a big part of the competition that is. And how, especially when you compare it to, to, to Vanjie, who we love, but Vanjie didn't have a great walk and that, also, I think, affected a lot of her judging. But whereas when Plastique came out after that episode and you just, you saw the difference and it was like, oh, that's how you do it. It's just an interesting part of drag that I had forgotten about, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's fun to see, like, that's what I want to see more of, yeah. stuff like that. Like, less manufactured drama. Yes. There, I, uh, do you watch Untucked? Do you let the TV go on? Yeah. Or, yeah. 
so I usually like I I watch Drag Race real time or next to real time. And then once Untuck comes on, I just kind of let it play while I do other things. Like in the morning, sometimes I'll like, oh, get back to it and then dry my hair where I can't hear half of it because I don't want to hear it. It's just them yelling, which is a shame because sometimes it's great. Yeah, I I enjoy it because you really do see more and learn more about people. Yep. And and you kind of you would miss certain things. But this this season's was a little tough because it did kind of degrade into yeah. yelling a lot. Yeah. yeah, and I just I don't like hearing Silky yell. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I wish her well. I hope she finds a way to kind of like remake her image, not remake her image, but kind of um, not have to have everything she does be "You were terrible on Drag Race" because mm-hmm. I think she is talented. Um, I just think the show did kind of did a disservice to her by letting her uh, take over and kind of trying to make that the narrative. And that's kind of a shame to her. I mean, she's 28 years old. Like that's, you know, not a place to be when you're 28 in a way. Yeah. Although Vanjie is 26. Yep. Well, baby. These kids, I can't take it. They make me feel old. Like, <laughs> I mean, technically, I mean, I would have had to have been a very young mother. No, it, well, I mean, physically, it's possible. We, we we always do that, try to figure out, like, could somebody be my child? Yep. Like, Evie sort of could, but only if something terrible happened to me when I was 13. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my. <laughs> but, yeah. these And that was the other thing about Evie, too. She didn't feel like she was 24. No, not at all. Whereas last season, even, uh, uh, I keep saying Akiria when I mean Aquaria, Aquaria was, I think, 22. She felt young. She felt young. Yeah. And and a little more, I mean, she was smart, but she was 22. Yeah. She was a smart 22-year-old. Yeah. But you never forgot that she was 22. Yeah. And a millennial. And like just it just felt like, oh, this is somebody that is a different generation than me. And with Evie, I didn't. I really, if I didn't know her age, I would have guessed that she was probably 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then there was Soju. Oh, Soju. Who was, was, um, people really loved her. What when did I, she do? When I saw them. She sang and lip synced. Okay. To, to a, a, to some, some K-pop song that I was, I'm not familiar yeah, with. Okay. Neat. But neat. she was very cute and very charismatic and people really responded to her. I, I, it was a fun, energetic performance. She did have heels on too. So. Oh, well, I'm glad she took that. No, I mean, I can't walk in heels, but I'm not a drag queen. It, yeah. She, she looked good. She, her performance was good. Um, Raja was a little wanting i didn't really love hers honey davenport did i thought a tremendous job she was she's a very good performer um and and i just am not i'm not team silky yeah no i I, I don't think there are many (laughs) but like yeah all in all i think it was a really good season and it'll be um fun to rewatch it at some point yeah and i'm sure many of them will go on to all stars i really hope they take a break from all stars and me too like i think the show needs needs a little bit of a break just to kind of stay fresh but i'm sure we'll see many of them again so yeah hopefully all right well that was our take on drag race season 11 um before we go do you have a streaming recommendation 
I don't know. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I didn't really think that far. I know. We didn't. I was very bad about planning. I'm like, let's talk about Drag Race. And then we're like, let's talk about movies, other movies that we watched. Um, well, let's say first our next episode um, is going to be very exciting because we have Woo! a special guest star. Uh, our special guest star is none other than good old Doug from Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Yes. That's so exciting. It's very exciting. Yes. We have both been on his show, which is wonderful. Um, If people listen to it, it is a podcast that you can find very easily. Just start typing in Eric Roberts. It will probably come up very quickly. Uh, Doug is is just a funny, funny, clever, witty man. Um, I am excited to have him on the show. And, of course, we have to do a movie that involves Eric Roberts. Of course. Do you remember the exact name of the one that we ended up with? Sleeping Beauty? No, okay, I got it. Snow White? Snow White, A Deadly Summer from 2012. Oh, boy. Written, or no, directed by David Dakota, who yep. I've, I've done a lot of his movies because he does some Hallmark Christmas movies. Yep. Um, starring Eric Roberts uh, and Maureen McCormick, Marsha Brady herself. Oh, boy. Oh, no, it's going to be, be something. Um, so that's that. Uh, so, oh my, should I give a streaming recommend? I'll give my streaming recommendation. Yeah, if you have one. I do. It's two and a half hours, but it's really good. Aquaman. <laughs> it's not streaming, <laughs> if it was. Still probably not. But no, my streaming recommendation is a movie I'd heard a lot of good things about. Um, but it was a foreign film, so it was very hard to see. Train and- to Busan. Oh. Uh, no, that would also be a streaming recommendation. I think that was my streaming recommendation a few years ago. Yeah. But it is Look, a, that's my streaming recommendation. It sh- as well, it should be. It's so good. <laughs> no, mine is another Korean film. It is Burning. What? Oh, where is this? Where is this? Uh, where did Netflix. you watch it? It's streaming is on, it Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah, and it's downloadable, which is the easy way to do it. Because huh. if, now this movie took me, I think, four commute rides. Mm-hmm. I think I started it. In the morning, then watched more of it going home, more of it the next morning, and then finished it on the way home. So it was a two-day affair, because it is 2.5 hours long. Yeah. And I knew little about it. I just knew um, Stephen Yoon was in it, and that he was really good, and I really like him. And I knew people said it was great. Yeah, people have been saying it's great. And the thing is, I'm watching it. And much like um, Loveless, I'm like an hour into it, and I'm like, is anything going to happen? Nothing's happening in this movie. I have to watch another hour and a half of this movie, and nothing has happened. And then I watch the next part, and I'm like, still, I'm like, wow, not that much is happening. And I'm still watching the movie, and I'm like, I don't know. I think people kind of overpraise this. This was definitely missold to me. I don't really know what I'm getting here. And it's over. It's done. And I'm like, okay, you know. And then about 10 minutes later, I had that, like, moment of, oh, that was really good. <laughs> Where it took me time to kind of understand uh-huh. what I'd seen and why it was really fucking good. Because it's kind of a, a movie about a little bit of what's not there, um, which sounds really pretentious. And this movie, at first, I'm like, oh, man, this is it's about a young guy who's a writer. And that's kind of the most pretentious thing you can do. And it's based on a Murakami short story, which can dabble into that territory. And I realized at the end, I'm like, oh, no, it it's not it like it's kind of about that idea in a way. 
And this lead character who I realized halfway through, I'm like, I think this guy's an asshole. But the movie isn't making me think. The movie's putting me on his side, I think, that, oh, there's so much to that. And there's a lot to it about how this guy sees women. And what's, when Steve Yoon shows up, is what are we really seeing there? Are we seeing all of it? Or are we seeing a certain perspective of it? And what have we not seen that might be saying something? And it's... There's so much going on. Um, I started reading a little bit about, you know, different takes on it. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot. And I think you can, you know, put different meanings on it. And you can have different theories about what happens or doesn't happen. Uh, It's a really rich movie for that. You can talk about this movie for hours afterwards. Um, It is slow. I mean, it is two and a half hours of not that much happening. But afterwards, it really is something very special. So it's a huge recommend, but it is, you know, a two and a half hour slow moving um, Korean movie about nothing, perhaps. Did you feel like breaking it up was detrimental to the viewing experience? Maybe. I think. I think that. Because two and a half hours is a a long time. And I think this is a movie that if I had watched it at home uninterrupted I might have actually been more frustrated with it because that's a long Mm -hmm. time to be sitting home watching something where then I would have been like oh I could be doing other things yeah whereas if I'd gone to a theater and paid my money and sat down to watch it I don't think I I think it probably that's probably the optimal way of watching it is if you can watch it on a nice screen comfortably and know okay two and a half hours let it wash over me let me think about it after Mm -hmm. um if you're like me and know that watching a movie like that at home doesn't always work that well because you have cats to jump on your lap and then you yeah. get thirsty. So you pause to refill and then you say, Oh my God, I have another hour left. It, then at that point, breaking it up on a commute is almost a better way to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it hurt the movie for me to watch it that way. Cause if anything, it kind of let me think about things as I watched it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say I, I don't, I'm sure this movie is, I mean, like every movie, it's meant to be watched in one sitting, but if your one sitting is an uncomfortable two and a half hours, then no, break it up, because I think it's all there. It's almost like reading a long novel, in a way. Mm-hmm. You, you read it, you, you stop, you put a bookmark in it and go back to it, and you're immersed in it when you go back in, and then afterwards, it's kind of still dripping out of you. So, hmm. yeah, I would love well, to hear what you think I'll about it. I'll bump it up my list and yeah. I might have to plan to split it in half. It's just, yeah. that's, that's a lot that's a to do on, in like an evening. I hear you, girl. Hey, I go to bed at like 945. I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> We've, we're finally watching, we're a whole Marvel series behind. Now it doesn't matter because they're all canceled, but we're finally watching Punisher season two. Like, we'll get through it. Maybe Eventually. will still be there waiting for you for a while. Presumably, Yes. But it's one of those, like, everybody watched it and talked about it two months ago. It's like, yeah, well, we don't, you know, it's not that we don't have time. It's that we just go to bed early. Yeah, I know. You know. I hear that. Yeah. Jeopardy starts first, and then it's when we have whatever time is left. Um, we've just discovered Key and Peele, by the way, which is on Hulu. And so amazing. Boy, is that amazing. Like, I'd heard great things about it, but it was never easy to watch. And now it's on Hulu, and I, now I remember that I have access to Hulu. And so now that's been one of those things where if I don't 
pay attention, I could watch like eight episodes without moving, yeah. and that's dangerous. It's so, so good. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, that's everything. So when we are next year, we will talk about uh, Snow White Deadly Summer, which Yay. is appropriate because it is summer. So. so. Oh, look at that. Yeah. How about that? All right, everybody. Have a happy summer for or whatever part of the summer is until we see you next when it will technically be summer then. Happy New Year for if you're listening to this in a different time. I like the way you think.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 